0: Welcome to Living a Sex Positive Life, where we can guarantee the topic will be about sex. We'll talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures, the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and just talk about that touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now, here's your host, Angelique Luna.
1: Good evening, everyone. It's Angelique here on a special Sunday with my husband and co-host, John C. Luna.
0: Hello, everyone. We're here on this, what, Sunday edition?
1: Yep. 8.30. 8.30. Well, this was had to be an important one because Patty Evans from the King Therapy Certification Institute was like ranting and raving that we needed to have Mr. David Hoffman who was born and raised in Tampa, Florida where he currently lives with his wife, two dogs, a cat, and a hedgehog. Hoffman Law Firm, PA, opened on February 14, 2014 serving clients throughout the Tampa Bay area and in areas including divorce, child. Support, custody, dependency, and estate planning. It is the mission of Hoffman Law Firm to provide clients with affordable, personalized service. David is an active member of the Tampa community. He serves on the board of directors for the South Tampa Chamber of Commerce as their consulting attorney. Through the South Tampa Chamber, David volunteers his time to projects and events benefiting local businesses as well as military families and veterans. He is also a member of the Hillsborough County Bar Association, the LGBT Bar Association of Tampa Bay, and the Tampa Bay Inn of Courts. David is currently training to be a kink certified professional. He's my classmate. He works with kink lifestyles and poly families to meet their unique needs and offers a welcoming and inclusive experience. Well, welcome to the show, David.
2: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me.
1: Oh, yes. I just had a giggle and laugh at the two dogs, a cat, and a hedgehog. Yeah, I can never come over to your house. I'm definitely allergic. <laughs>
2: Oh, well you could play with the hedgehog. I'll bring her over. She has a little k- travel case and we and I can bring her over to to you next time.
1: Awesome. So I know Patty was on our case that we needed to be talking about polyamory and the law and since we're both classmates and always instigators of conversation, I think this is <laughs> the best time to talk about our passions and uh, how important it is for kink folks to have, uh, same rights as everybody else. So tell us a little bit, your journey, your law firm.
2: Sure. Absolutely. Um, I liked the idea and and every year that I model my own, I like it even more that I can shape the focus and the interest of what I'm doing. I get to control who I market to and, and who I deal with. So, um, learning and and finding out more about uh, kink lifestyle poly today we're talking more about poly um, about poly families and the unique challenges that they have um, especially in my fields of family law and estate planning where a lot of attorneys aren't really figuring out how to provide these solutions, they certainly aren't marketing and going out to the poly community and saying, hey, I can help you with these things um, in kind of the same way that in the past few years, LGBT has become a really big legal issue. And you do see attorneys going out and advertising LGBT law. So I think it's a for me, it's a matter of it was only a matter of time. And I I want to be on the forefront and help people who um, I think are being largely ignored by my industry.
1: Absolutely. Um, tell us the difference in polyamory and polygamy, because, you know, there, there's always that crossover with Hollywood and not being, you know, realistic on that they're two separate
2: things. Sure, of course. The, a lot of people will automatically kind of think it's the same thing. And, and people that I've talked to, I've had to explain that it's not necessarily the same thing. Polygamy is a general term for being married to more than one person at the same time, and that, that's that been against the law in, in the United States for, a, for quite a while, and the only places that it's uh, frequently practiced is areas around uh, Utah and Ohio um, where there are a large portion of people following not necessarily mainstream Mormonism but um, offshoot Latter-day Saints religions that encourage that so that it's actually a very very small percentage of people that practice religious polygamy and that tends to be one guy and a lot of like the show sister wives but all over the country um and and especially now among young people because i think there's less less of a stigma um people will engage in everything from open dating relationships where you you know, you're dating one person, but they know that you're dating someone else or uh, you have a committed relationship and there is more than one person in that committed relationship all the way, you know, extending to where you have a co-parenting relationship where you have three or more people that work together as parents and um, they, they are all involved with each other. You have two dads and a mom or two moms and a dad. And while you talk, when you, when you talk about it on, a, on an overhead level, it sort of seems very different. But on, on a real interactive level, the relationships are exactly the same. Um, you have the same struggles, the same difficulties, and the same benefits. And um, one thing that I always thought was really cool with polyfamilies, and uh, a, a term that's used a lot of times for polyfamilies is polycules. Um, and for a polycule I think I always thought it was neat that you can have uh, three or more adults helping you raise kids and none of them have to be your mother-in-law so that's a big benefit.
0: <laughs> well they do say it takes a village to raise a child so yeah and uh, you can
2: you can pick your village which is great um, but even even a sort of n- the idea of ethical non-monogamy as as a concept uh, throws some people for a loop but there really just does does tend to be a fairly large segment of people who uh, don't really just want to date one person at a time. And thankfully, there are enough people out there for them who also feel the same way. And at its base, it's just uh, a departure from what we consider average or, or normal relationship as binary, one person and, and, and another person meeting and being two people. But there's no real uh, magic to that. Three or more people have the same struggles or successes that uh, a two-person relationship would have, at least in practice of what I've seen and what I've heard.
1: So what fun cases can you talk about so people could get a better understanding of what you do?
2: Sure, of course. So on a general level, cases that other people may have heard of or read about, there was a recent case in New York where um, there were. Uh, it was a husband and he had a wife, and then there was another woman that was the partner of those two. So three people, and the husband and the woman who was not his wife had a baby together, and they, the three of them, co-parented and were all, you know, mom, mom and dad together for the child. Then things got a little rocky, and they split up, and mom and girlfriend went and together and lived together to raise the child. And dad lived on his own, and he helped raise the child when, separately. But the, his ex-wife, who in New York didn't have a legal relationship to the child, sued independently to basically have her own paternal rights or, or parental rights to the child, even if she split up with the woman who was the child's mom. Basically saying, I want my own independent parental rights to the child dad said no i don't think you should and the judge disagreed the judge the new york judge essentially said no the three of you are parents and that just because you broke up it doesn't mean that you're not still all three parents even if two of you know only if only even if this, this mom is bio mom the other mom acted and and behaved just like the other moms and uh i, I read an excerpt somewhere that said how do they tell the two moms together and he said well i have uh, one mom drives a red truck, and the other mom drives a gray truck. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it, was, which it was amazing because kids make it so simple uh, when when adults tend to overcomplicate things. Um, Would you but, know
0: how old the children were when they, when the split occurred? Uh, Roundabout, see,
2: fairly fairly small. I, I mean, I think less than less than five years old. So a, fair, a fairly small child, it, definitely not old enough to have um, a say in the matter. But the the reason that they were able to do that, and and the reason we haven't seen as much traction in Florida as we have in places like uh, Pennsylvania or New York, is um, the LGBT law, uh, law movement has helped create new definitions of parenthood, and and now they've created checklists of if you do these certain things you are a parent whether or not you birthed the child whether or not you're married to one of the parents or you adopted it and that was to protect non-married non-adoptive partners in you know two-person lgbt relationships but now it can be extended to polyamorous uh, families who can take advantage of those non um what are called de facto parent roles and be able to legally assert themselves as and, and continue to be in the life of a parent that they have a child that they've been a parent to, which, you know, I, I, I like to tell people having one loving parent is great. Having two loving parents is great. Having three loving parents is great. There's no real limit on the number of loving parents and there's no there's no cap on how great it is. The more people that you have loving and taking care of you, the better. So. Um, As far as benefit or drawback to the child, there've been several cases in the U S and Canada that have pretty soundly said um, polyamorous parent is not a worse parent because they're poly. There was a good case in Canada like that um, where the court said, no, you know, there's no evidence that the parent being poly has any damage to the child or any, any negative effects on the child. Um, And, and if anything, it's great that they have a loving parent. So in most parts of the U.S., that's going to be the the attitude you encounter. Certainly in you know, Tampa, Florida, modern uh, big city, any, anywhere on the West Coast would be similar um, attitude. But in unless you're in a more religiously inclined um, conservative area,
0: judges don't really care what you
2: do in the bedroom.
0: That's interesting that the the, the bedroom practices really. Uh, like I said, don't have an, an impact it's who's garnishing the roles to the child and and you know who which actions are benefiting the child is, is sort of what i hear is weighed in terms of whether you're a parent or not
2: yeah absolutely and and if you if you try to view things objectively on what is good for a child to me and, and i mean i maybe i'm i know not everyone would agree with me on this but um be, being able to – dating or, or being in a relationship with more than one person at a time really has zero to do with how well you parent a child. So and, – and, and and those concepts are slowly catching on. Uh, there's always going to be those who kind of don't don't agree with that, and that's why we have a lot of cases – and this is an area of law that I don't get – I don't practice, but I know other people who have had issues like this um, – If you have a morals clause in your work, um, potentially in the military, I haven't seen too many military cases yet, where there's kind of like a vague conduct unbecoming or or a vague morals clause, Um, or if you live in a right to work or a right to hire state like Florida where they can hire, hire and fire you for no reason, then having um, being poly or, or kink or anything along those lines can easily get you fired. And usually there's nothing you can do about it. So it really, some of it depends on where you are and the social attitudes of the place that you live. Um, but when you, when it comes to court, you, you, you kind of hope that the judges will understand that and and look objectively at how good of a parent you are rather than uh, anything that doesn't affect it. People ask me questions like, oh, will the judge get mad at me because I'm poly?" Or, Will the judge get mad at me because I um, am into BDSM or something like that? And I said, well, do you do do anything sexual in front of the children? And they always look at me like I'm crazy and say, no, of course not. I said, then who cares? (laughs) It doesn't matter. If the kids don't know what you do and the kids don't know what most parents do, then you're fine. It doesn't make a difference.
1: Well, it almost sounds like the LGBT community has more rights when it comes to work compared to a polyamory family on what they do as a lifestyle. Or am I just misinterpreting that?
2: You're not. It's the both in in the legal sense and certainly in the social stigma sense. it's not in a sense. OK, to. Um, discriminate in the workplace against someone who is um, gay or trans or, or anything along those lines, um, even if it might be legal. But there's not really that idea of oh they fired me because I'm poly. There wouldn't is, is not as much outrage just because it's not uh, in the public eye as much, and, and there really isn't as much activism. But in, in until there are some. More significant constitutional changes, employers will use excuses to get around LGBT firings, but that's bulking up, and I think um, poly protections are just not are not going to be too far behind that. I think okay. it's just a matter of time. It's a natural course where certain certain groups who have more vocal advocacy will get rights quickly, but others will be able to follow on and, and use that progress to their advantage, which is which I think is exactly what's happening.
0: Well, in our field, obviously, we run into a lot of uh, uh, poly people and run sure. into people who take it a little further that obviously it's not only poly in a dating sense, they take it to the point of having a child. Um, but now hearing, like I said, you're focusing part of your law firm into this. Are you seeing uh, enough of this that when we bring up poly to, to, to you know certain people, it's like, yeah, we know people do it, but you know, it's it's certain people, or, or, or it's such a minority. And, you know, it seems to be coming more and more. And now that you're focusing part of your law firm on it, are you seeing that many cases that it's been growing, say, in the last five or 10 years, in your opinion?
2: This, the, it's a good question. It, it sort of requires a couple of different answers. The, the community, at least that I've found locally, is very large. So, even helping – not but not everyone is going to need a lawyer at the same time. There there are a lot of non-polyamorous people, and, and most of them don't need a lawyer at any given time. But the ones who have kids, and even that is – that's a, a slightly smaller segment of the community. Um, but the, the ones who do have kids are generally the people who need the most immediate legal help because there are and, – and I can talk about that – about the forms and different protections that can be set up. What I recommend is from, from birth to help uh, poly families with kids all be able to interact easily, more easily with society as three parents. Um, but is it, is it enough work where it constitutes the main part of my practice? No, I, there aren't, there aren't enough, um, At least right now, poly family is lining up to get this work done. But eventually, I think it'll be more commonplace. Thankfully, one of the reasons I don't see it as often is because I don't have a lot of people coming in um, afraid that they're going to be discriminated against because of it. I do see a lot of that in the kink community. But poly people, while they are afraid of that, they don't have as much of a problem with relationships because uh it, again we're in tampa it's more progressive uh if we were in a more rural part i think there'd be more of a concern from even even a smaller percentage of the even with a smaller population you'd have a higher percentage of people concerned about their rights if that makes sense Definitely. people people don't need lawyers as much in tampa because they're they're not as afraid that their kids are going to get taken away or, or that they're going to be oppressed but you know for for even if there are, uh, 10 poly families in, say, uh, I don't want to, I don't want him to call out any, any Florida. Counties. No, 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 uh no, no. Just say Florida. In certain Florida, in certain Florida counties, you know, you, even if there are 15 poly families, they're probably all worried. Um, but what I tend to do tends to be more in, in the realm of estate planning, um, Four young polycules. I had a, uh, I have three friends that are very dear to me that came into my office recently, and it's two women who are married and their partner who is a man. And with that man, they both got pregnant. One recently gave birth, and the other one will give birth any week now. And they all obviously all want to function in as smooth a way as possible raising their new babies. So when they came in, I had a whole battery of forms for them to look at and sign. And I kept them all separate so that they wouldn't need to hand anybody a stack of papers describing their whole life. So for instance, one of them and, and, and when you have a poly relationship and and therapists know this better than anyone because they're treating couples and then also the relationship as a third client and also (laughs) all these other things. So when you have three parents and then one or two children, You have to deal with the interactions between each parent and then between the children. So for the parents, you have things like medical uh, rights and financial rights. You want all three of you to be able to access the bank accounts. You want all three of you to be able to uh, write checks or deposit or talk to the representative from the mortgage company. And you also want all three of you to be able to get each other's medical records, to go visit in the hospital, to be led into the ER, all of the things that you would expect if you were married. And a lot of those things would not carry over if you don't have these documents, but there are forms that if you have them with you and you put them in front of the person, then they will give you the, the, ac- the access or they suffer the legal consequences. And uh one of the main form the power of attorney form says at the very top you know failure to uh, abide by the terms of this agreement can can you can suffer legal consequences under an it the statute uh cuz it's serious, serious business you don't want someone turning you away from uh from your partner at the hospital because you're not married to them um and then aside from that and then estate planning and and uh You have medical power of attorneys to to determine who's going to uh, watch out for, make medical decisions for you when you're not, uh, when when you're incapacitated. And, for instance, with this trio, um, as with most families, one of them was kind of the responsible type A doer. And everybody wanted that person to be their personal representative (laughs) because it didn't matter who. It didn't matter who it was just like, nope. This is no, they're in charge. God help us if she's the one who gets sick. Oh God. Um, And so, and, and so the, you know you have, but you have to make those arrangements ahead of time and and have the form to be it. And, and they said just carry it with you if you have to do this stuff. Um, then you have all the dynamics with the kids, and that includes school, travel, doctors. I mean, anything you could think of, um, where if you are. Married, it's no problem. You know, mom and dad, and the, and you guys are on the list, and and the principals are familiar with that concept, so it's no problem. Um, but when you add a third person who's not married, or or if none of the three of you are married, then you're going to need forms to can force not just convince, but force the school and doctors and airlines and and passport companies and everything else to follow these things and and give you the same rights as everyone else. So I do separate travel permissions for all three parents, making it uh, clear that any of the three parents can travel wherever with either of the kids. And each of them will just have their own forms that they take and they say, okay, well I can go to, you know, France with this child. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm not legal dad because the moms are married to each other, but here's my form. Um, and, and uh, oh, I can. I school. You have to let me pick up uh, our child from school, even though I'm, you know, not not legal mom, or I'm or I'm not bio mom. But here's the form that says so. Let put me on the list. And it just, it, if you do that ahead of time, you save so much trouble of arguing and screaming at people and having to trying to educate people. Where if you just put the form in front of them and go, "Look, I'm a parent. Look at this form. Do it." To me, that's better. I like people. I like it when people do what I say. I don't know if you, if you have the same uh, the same enjoyment, but um, the forms basically say do this. Give uh, this person has these rights. Uh, no no legal no legal problems on your end from for letting uh, the this other parent pick. You know this child's parent who's not what you <laughs> what you might consider uh, typical. Right. But once you have all that in place, it's great, and, and everybody's visiting each other in the hospital, and there's no problems.
1: But do they have to officially carry the forms, or can, you know, now that we're in a digital society, can they just have a digital copy on their phone or their tablet that they could easily email it, or, because, I, I always double-check with the, that paperwork, because me in Florida law, I just, like, yeah, you need the sure. physical copies, or is it okay to do digital nowadays?
2: That's a, you know, that's a great question. I really haven't explored whether people have had success using power of attorney forms or, or travel permission documents in digital format. I, I would really love to see that now that people are kind of carrying around tablets or um, you, know, you see people using Groupons and all sorts of stuff right off of their phone, even paying now with Apple Pay and things like that. You don't even carry a wallet. So it, I think it will definitely move in that direction. I don't think there are any requirements currently where you would need an original document or even a notarized, or I mean, um, a certified copy of it. Uh, Generally a photocopy is acceptable to anyone, but as my, the the way I currently advise people, I tell them to carry it with them. If they're, if they're going to, if they have to go to the doctor and and do hospital stuff, carry the doctor power of attorney. If you're going to travel, carry the travel form because, that way you can just hand it to them. And if they want to keep it, they can keep it.
0: So I think now I have my next suggestion for Apple. They have that wallet that I like so much where I can put my credit cards in. Now, now I just need to go ahead and make, have Apple put a place in there for my legal documents. You know, So they're right, right on that one-push-click availability.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or, or just get the, get the child registered so that they can scan the kid's neck and they will know what parents have permission to
0: access it. Oh, that's a whole other—that's a whole nother legal issue, I'm sure.
1: Oh, will the doggies get doggy chip? Why not the kids?
0: Yes, but David will See, confirm. We're on there's... the
2: same page.
0: But David, you can confirm: no dog has ever sued his owner of invasion of privacy.
2: Not yet. Uh, not not yet. I, I think if my wife was a lawyer, she'd take the case, but uh, <laughs> not—it hasn't happened quite yet. So I don't know. I don't think kids can sue their parents. It, it, it'd be one when they're seventeen and a half. You got to pull the chip out. I think that's the compromise.
1: Nah, just keep it out forever.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can see several parents just not even telling them about it. Oh, don't worry about it. You're fine. Keep going. It's okay.
1: just a scar for birth. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then you know that way you can track them. It cuts down on stress a lot.
0: Well. Most teenagers are, are surgically attached to their phone, and uh, unfortunately, my teenager found out how to turn hers off, and she keeps saying it's an accident. I'm like, yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> she must be so bad with technology. She keeps turning her phone off by accident.
1: <laughs> now she
2: just That's keeps switching. Teenagers, phones. right? Teenagers don't know how to use phones.
1: <laughs> exactly, they don't. <laughs> yeah. So what so, have been one of your favorite cases to negotiate or deal with? It doesn't necessarily be poly, but I'm just curious because, you know, being family law, I mean, I, I have my backstories and pages and pages of my experience, but I, I'm just curious from a lawyer's perspective.
2: Oh, my gosh, it's never boring. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> – I, I think in general whenever – you, you frequently see parents who – think that the other one is immoral for one reason or another. And so that covers all, all areas, you know, poly, kink, anything that, that people might, um, from one perspective, accuse someone of, of immorality because of it. And, And then a variety of things that actually would be objectively immoral, um, like child abuse. And so parsing those out and explaining people the difference between, um, feeding your kid hamburgers and, uh, actually abusing them. Um, and, and, and that's not an exaggeration. I had a client who was furious that their ex, um, during their time sharing was taking them to McDonald's, um, and was wondering if there was anything she could, that I could do about that to prevent it. Um, (laughs) so yeah, no, and, but, but that's not, you know, that as ridiculous as that seems, that is par for the course. And it's not, you know, these people aren't crazy. They're just very protective of their child and they're under a lot of stress and they're trying to make all the best decisions possible. Um, but the, the line, when, when, you're, when you're on the defensive or, or, or even, especially if you're on the, the offensive and you are dealing with the best interests of your child, people will suddenly start coming up with things that they think are immoral that they never really even gave any thought to before. So um, you'll have cases where one of the parents or, or both at one point were um, poly or were swingers or, or anything along those lines and now aren't, and nobody really had a problem with it until the divorce case started or until the custody case started, and now it's a big deal. So what's what's interesting and, and exciting and stressful for my job is sort of parsing out um, – real versus imagined concerns and then tempering people who legitimately have concerns over things that are not really important. Um, so, you know, separating the child abuse from the hamburgers of the world and, uh, Polly tends to fall squarely within hamburgers, but.
1: Um, well, it could be a vegetarian family.
2: Yeah. Well, so that's abuse. Is, if even if, even if you're a vegetarian though, if, if, your kid's you know nine, and when once you're divorced, dad wants to feed the kid hamburgers. You've got to feed him garden burgers at your house, and dad feeds hamburgers at his house. It's just – it's not worth uh, arguing certain issues when it comes to parenting because no parent has ever – that I've ever met um, doing family law has told me that the other parent is as good or better at raising their kids as they are Ever. Yeah. One person always thinks that they're slightly better at it.
1: <laughs> the laundry list of things is amazing. I know. I have <laughs> I went through my fair share. And even... I, I was very grateful I finally found a, a son of a bitch asshole of an attorney that took my case and helped me weed out all the freaking drama from baby daddy. Because some of the stuff that he was coming up with, I'm like, are you freaking kidding me seriously i'm like so i do tarot readings for entertainment how does that make me a bad person
2: oh see you have so you have first-hand experience of exactly what i'm talking about yes that's and that's the kind of thing people will come into your office and go oh well she's a witch mm-hmm. well, what do you mean what do you mean she's a witch oh well she does tarot <laughs> readings oh well I, I don't i don't think the judge is gonna think she's an actual witch if she's we <laughs> You know, and then and, and then you know, because you never know, someone will come in. I've I've had this where people come in and they say, you know, oh, um, you know, I, I tried to make it work, but you know, my my spouse has a terrible has this terrible secret, or or they have this horrible thing. And what it turns out is, you know, either one spouse is frigid, or or they don't, or 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 they're bi, or or they like to dress up in women's underwear or something like that. And I, I sort of try to to encourage people who have those issues. And they haven't done marriage counseling and haven't talked with therapists. I'm just like, well, you know, maybe talk this out because it doesn't sound like the problem is between the two of you. The problem is that you didn't know this about this person, and maybe you can work through it um, because there's also a concern like, oh, I just found out that my husband uh, wants to be poly and open up our relationship, and I think that will destroy our children. All right, let's let's take a step back. Maybe you don't need to be in the lawyer's office. Maybe you need to be in the marriage counselor's office. Come on, let's let's look at this objectively. Um, so people can freak out unnecessarily, and, and that's why I like to work closely with um, therapists like Patty Evans, and, and you know more when I go out like in Orlando area with people like you and other stuff like that. So, um, you know, pe- I guess what I'm saying is people freak out. And not necessarily always permanently. You can talk them down.
1: So oftentimes, you, instead of taking their case on for divorce, you actually kind of weed them out to like, hey, go, this is a therapist thing. You could save your marriage. You just need to go see a therapist.
2: Yeah, and I, you know, I, and I never close the door on people. I always will let let someone know, even if I don't think that I can help them or that the time is right to help them. I always let people know, you know, if you have any questions, you come up with any new issues, come and talk to me. But if if I don't think the time is right for them to file, that's what I'll that's what I'll say. I'll say, you know, it doesn't look like you you really are in a position where you should file yet. You know, divorce. People don't realize um, this is and this is this is big. People don't realize how stressful and difficult and expensive and time consuming divorces sometimes. And they will get into a big blowout argument with their significant other and decide that maybe it's time to call it quits and they'll go and talk to a lawyer. And to me, the lawyer there has an ethical responsibility to look at the situation and go, hey, um, I understand you're mad. Let me put things in perspective for you to make sure this is really what you want to do. And if you don't do that, then you could potentially be leading someone down a very stressful, complicated road that leads to them getting back together with their significant other and hating you because you <laughs> took all their money.
1: Don't remind me how much you guys cost. I My legal bill since my child was born is about $35,000, and she's 16, <laughs> going to be 17. 35 grand, young man.
2: That's an expensive case, no no doubt. Uh, The average case for me tends to be much lower because I push people to uh, form agreements. That way, they're making their own plan for raising their kids and and dividing up their stuff, rather than having a judge who doesn't know them uh, meet them for a couple hours and then make the call. But sometimes you simply cannot make a deal because either the other side, the other person, is um, you know an, an evil psychopath or
1: yeah, uh, stubborn. Yeah. You know,
2: that, you know, so, so those cases get expensive sometimes uh, especially when you are carting in expert witnesses or taking depositions of a hundred people. Uh, I, I work a lot with the, the majority of my clients are working families, blue collar people who uh, don't have a million dollars and assets or, or properties to divide up but they have serious concerns over their kids and, and that's usually where a lot of the drama and the fighting happens so it, it to me it's important to be a voice of reasons to prevent the costs from getting that high and tell people look we can fight over this we can do this and that but is let me let's examine the cost and and what you will achieve from that cost and see if it's worth it sometimes it is sometimes if 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 you want to win and it's worth winning and that's what the cost is, then that's what it is, which is really sad because it means that certain people aren't going to be able to achieve a just result in court because they can't afford it, and I've seen that happen before. It's it's devastating. I try to do what I can to counterbalance it, but in certain instances, and, and that happens mostly when you're trying to afford – third parties like uh, guardian items litems or therapists or psycho, um, psychiatrists to do evaluations. And if you can't afford that, you may not be able to prove certain subtle issues with the case. So in, in some instances, it's, in some cases, it's pay to play, and, and that's why the cases are so expensive. But um, you can also moderate that as a lawyer. I would say that most divorce cases that I take on, uh, end up costing less than $5,000 total. Um, but that isn't to say the cases can't get much, much more expensive than that. Um, hourly fees in, uh, Florida tend to range anywhere between 200 and $500 an hour on average. And, you know, most people in Tampa will take about 3,500 bucks from you up front, which gives you kind of a good idea of what the, um, lower end of a divorce cost. It's not cheap, almost ever, unless you literally have no kids or property, uh, or you have already in advance decided what you wanted to do and agreed on everything. And believe it or not, that does happen. I have people come in, and they know exactly how they want to divide it up, and they both agree that they're good parents and are happy to do 50-50. And it's fantastic. We do we, we do all their paperwork in one day, and they, and they go to court a a month later for five minutes and they're divorced and those people are thrilled but that's a that doesn't happen all the time
1: so question and let's go back to Polly. how about if it's mm-hmm. outside family like mother fathers like grandparents i guess or brothers or sisters that come in and attack the polycule family and saying that you know this is you know demon or anti-religious or whatever but yet it works for the polycule question.
2: That definitely happens. That's a fantastic question. Meddlesome parents are, are ever-present in, in my job. Um, I, I You wouldn't believe how many uh, people, how many times I've been called by one of the, the parents' parents, by a grandparent, and they're they're the ones shopping around for the lawyer. And so that happens constantly. And for one, I, I try not to deal... If, if it's a parent trying to act on behalf of their kid, I try not to deal with the parent. I say, okay, well, then have your son or daughter call me, and I'll talk to them. Um, but there are other cases, which I think is what you're talking about, which – where the parent wants to do something independently to um, take away the rights of the parents who are either poly or, or doing something else that the, that the grandparent doesn't agree with um, – Thankfully, there isn't a ton that grandparents can do, at least in Florida, to interfere with the rights of uh, parents of a child. The what the route that they tend to take, and it's the route that many, many people tend to take uh, out of desperation or vengeance, and it clogs up the system, is to file a child abuse report. So you will get parents occasionally that come to me and say oh you know my my mom who i don't have a good relationship with or or my uh you know my partner's dad who we don't have a good relationship with called uh dcf called the abuse hotline on us because of this issue and sometimes i'll have to step in on their behalf and either talk to dcf or talk to the attorney general's office and go look you know, the, and, and and they get it, you know, the, especially like I said, especially in Hillsborough County, they get it that sometimes um, people who have a different view of morality want to get involved with their grandkids' lives. Um, that isn't to say that that is always a bad thing. I've had plenty of pa- grandparents intervening where they're desperately needed. But um, as far as being meddlesome, the danger is when they are infecting the, the brain of the of one of the actual parents and convincing them that the other parent is immoral. And, um, that happens too. So you just have to try to temper it and, and not let that bleed into what you do. I won't advocate for, um, that type of position. I I won't come to court and say that someone is immoral because of poly or something like that. Even if that's what my client is telling me, I will tell them that they're wrong, that I think they're wrong. And I can either defend them on other bases that I think are correct or they can go find a different lawyer.
1: Yeah, it's just kind of s- sneaky how they do that because I, I you know because you do both LGBT and also polyamory, I just think that's very fr- frequent that, you know, parents know better than their own kids and I'm like, "Really? <laughs> Let's see how successful sure. your relationship is." Well, and and it's very
2: frequent and organic, really. If you think about it, during a separation, where a, a couple, once it, when a couple breaks up, one of them may go back to their parent and unload and vent and say all these horrible things about them, and that may include some stuff that's kind of irrelevant. But once you demonize someone enough, then you know you're protecting, <laughs> you're protecting your child as a grandparent, and you want to go after this person for any reason at all. So. Uh, a lot of times grandparents get in the way of co-parenting that that's sort of it's not like in the legal realm, like they're not suing people or, or trying to get rights taken away, but rather um, they are causing trouble for parents who are trying to take care of their kids, either by refusing to babysit because, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to babysit during. You know Angelique's time because she's she's one of those uh, horrible poly people or or those horrible swinger people and I'm not you know, I'm not getting involved. I don't approve of that. Well, thanks Grandma. You know, uh, little Susie needed a babysitter, but I guess since you're on your high horse, no babysitter for little Susie. Um, you know, or or constantly talking bad. You know, Grandma's babysitting little Susie and always you know the whole all day long telling little Susie how uh, her dad is this horrible man for being a polyamorous and how he's going to burn in hell. Well, you know, that's not good and you're not helping the child at all. And so when I have mom that comes and goes, grandma is, is pouring all this poison in our child's ear, what can I do? And now I have to kind of look at it from a legal perspective and, ask, and tell them, um, sorry, you know, either, either you are around grandma or you're not. But if your spouse lets grandma babysit, um, if your ex lets grandma babysit and she's saying all this stuff, well, maybe that's a bad environment for the child. And, and now you're on a whole different roller coaster because you're going to court to asking the judge to make your ex not let his mom babysit because mom says bad things about you and your poly relationship. It's a huge, crazy web that you can encounter with this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it calls for more psychological evaluations there by the uh, number one shrink of Florida. Learning from experience. That happened to me.
2: I I wish I could just send everybody to shrink and just get reports like I I, everyone who comes into my office I wish the first thing I could do is send them for a full workup uh, psychological workup and then deal with them
1: you should add that to your clause it's like I will only treat you if you've seen the therapist first
2: (laughs) oh man it would be wonderful
0: let me ask you, you've brought up a lot of points, honestly, that I had never thought of, uh, if you're being poly, things you have to look out for. Again, whether it is uh, is estate planning or with a child. Uh, now I'm going for the sensationalist one out there. What is uh, poly or even kink in the news these days That, that that's legal cases? Um, what stuff that people who are considering or are in poly or kink should know about?
2: Um. You know the news; it, it it really is only as good as what's popular. Uh, right now, when like at the very beginning, you mentioned when people say "poly," one of the most common retorts you'll get is "oh, sister wives," because that was what's been on TV more recently. Um, but the past, you know, since 2016, the articles that I've read with that were in more mainstream sources have been really positive. Um, they track the language of, um, LGBT legal victories. Um, you see more and more articles coming out about poly families being recognized, but it's still very, very slow. There haven't been any other than the New York case I talked about. Um, the, there haven't been a ton, uh, in Utah, like we mentioned, uh, there Utah has a lot of laws that affect poly families because of their focus on polygamy. And so, in an effort to, if you if you live in an area that is heavy um, in, in offshoot, um, and and I, and I I'm sorry, I'm not using the right PC word, and I apologize to any um, Mormons or LDS uh, followers out there, but if you, um, you live in an area where there are a lot of the offshoot sects from that who do practice polygamy you're going to find a lot of laws that are set up to inhibit that and those laws will also inhibit poly families and one that has been gone back and forth now for the past couple of years in Utah is our laws about cohabitation and so this is and this is another thing you may not not have thought of John is um, in certain areas and again especially where polygamy is is heavy um, they there are laws that allow landlords, and sometimes that specifically disapprove, with like it wasn't like it is in Utah, from unmarried adults living together. So if you and me and Angelique all decided to get an apartment, they might say no, no, no. You know you can't live with David because he's not your roommate. You guys are all living together, and that's immoral because that's just like polygamy, and. You'd have to go back and go, no, it's not. We're not married. It's not polygamy. You're just discriminating against us. And so that's that's the exact argument that's gone back and forth. Um, there was an early victory, I think, in 2013 that said that the cohabitation law was unconstitutional, but then it got overturned, and the higher court said, no, it is okay that we can ban people, um, certain unmarried adults, from cohabitating. So that's that's sort of one thing that I'm following in the news because it has such a direct impact on people and it seems like such a no-brainer to just allow whatever people who want to live together to live together but it's it kind of shows you how morality even even applying to something that isn't isn't even intended to apply to because these laws aren't really were never created to affect people who are not Polygamous and and they were really never uh, created to aim at anything other than um, this religious polygamy, but it has much more broad-reaching effects. And so and but in a positive way too, because so like, like we talked about the um, LGBT legal victories has a broader-reaching effects that are beneficial for poly families. So it's it's worth watching the news for any real you know civil rights progress because there's a trickle-down effect that benefits everyone when that happens
0: as you tell this story my mind's thinking three's company um (laughs) yeah yeah. that's
2: a that's a perfect example that's a perfect example he had he had to pretend that he was gay because otherwise they wouldn't let him live with two women and now when you tell people the plot of that story they're like are you this was a tv show they allowed this on television and that's the tip of the iceberg. If you if you actually watch the show, how how unpc it would be for today. But those that those rules are not exclusive to that footy duddy landlord. That's those are entire states have rules like that.
1: And they're probably still on the books since the show, and that was in the seventies.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This this law I'm talking about in, in Utah is still going back and forth. So that's current.
0: Well, I, I could. I could see it being like I said a, a morally uh morally influenced bill. Um I could definitely see in certain areas though where that could never fly because you find me a single person who can afford their own apartment in New York or San Francisco and we're that's a rich person. No one right. could afford to live on their own.
2: Right. And and on the other end, you know, if you can find a uh a... a a sublease that actually has a working bathroom and, and, and something that qualifies as a kitchen, you're, you're grateful and you, and you move everyone, you know, into the apartment. So no, I know exactly what you mean. (laughs) Places like that, uh, the, the laws would be, would have no, would have no standing. So yeah, like, like I mentioned, location is everything. And you know, I, I, it's, I know it, not every, you can't afford to just pick up and move to a more liberal area when you, when you have problems with, um, the local atmosphere but uh, you will encounter different challenges based on where you live
0: well going back to uh, I'll bring up Three's Company yet again um, as politically incorrect they were and there was a list of them uh, all in the family that was one of the most politically incorrect shows however um, purposefully though <laughs> funny but
2: part of it was purposeful part of part of it was they were.
0: They, I think they tried to
2: be as offensive as possible in certain aspects
0: But at the same time, they actually broke some racial and and, uh, uh, LGBTQ boundaries. The whole idea of putting George Jefferson, which was, again, a black male, on the same level as this racist and making them talk together. Uh, And then they spawned off and actually had their own show, The Jeffersons. It's funny how these shows, which by themselves they probably won't show except for really late night on small channels anymore today, actually helped many of the causes. And at least got it out in the public so we could talk about it.
2: Yeah, the, the, the All in the Family reference. I, I've had that same conversation before, and, and you're absolutely right. That's sort of what I was saying. Is it, it was is in, so intentionally over the top because they wanted to show you, um, you, it it wouldn't be impressive if Archie was changing his mind about you know uh, race and 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 LGBT and, and whatever else if he wasn't if he didn't start out as an incorrigible, uh, backwards racist, you know, if, if he started off as a, as a perfectly reasonable person, then his journey towards acceptance would be meaningless.
0: Very true.
1: Oh, darn the ratings.
2: <laughs> no, but that's good. We want to so want to see people who, who are, uh, you know, phobic, uh, making a transition to not being that way rather than, you know, portraying this, uh, false utopia where everybody accepts and loves each other. Cause that's not really how it is. So we want to show people, you know, show instances of us reaching out and changing minds and, and, uh, interacting because it, unless you are, unless you know and interact or, or, or talk to people who are, who are poly or, or who have, um, you know, more than two parents in a uh, parenting situation, you may not realize how similar they are to you and and how few differences there actually are. Um, So proximity does a lot for that. And, and so, you know, if, if people are curious about poly and not necessarily about practicing, it, just learning more about it, go on Facebook. They, when I wanted to learn more, started to learn more about poly and wanted to meet more people and ask questions about how, um, the law affects their lives and and the questions they have and the fears they have. I was able to find a lot of very popular populated and active Facebook groups. Um, and I'm sure that's true across other internet forums, but I'm, uh, I'm too old at this point to be using things like Snapchat and, uh, the stuff that, that that the young folks are into and uh, turning the the ripe old age of 34 this year. I've always sadly (laughs) quite, (laughs)
1: <laughs> you had just totally made fun of me unintentionally Thank you very much no, Because I am on Snapchat and Instagram and all those And I'm 41, <clears throat> soon to be 42 Which is the answer to all life
2: See, but so that means that you are on a, on a practical level Are younger than I am Because you haven't been left behind by the technology
1: The problem is I have to keep up with a teenage daughter That's why
2: Ah, see, that's the that's the thing. I, as someone with no kids, it's no problem to me. I can fade into uh, technological dinosaur life. As long as I can work the TV and my phone. <laughs> uh,
1: th- another question that just popped up, because uh, Polly Weekly was over in Dallas, and there was a lot of controversy about... Um, a lot of the information for polyamory is predominantly white and not enough for people of color. Have you seen that in your practice or what's your thoughts what you, and feelings about
2: mean? it? I I am I mean I'm I have to plead ignorance. I don't know. Um, what do you mean like the information?
1: Well, if you really it's look mostly for white. Yeah, if you if you see the overall spectrum of the information for polyamory It seems that it's dominant with white people versus people of color. And so I'm trying to give a best – help me out here, John. You know what I'm talking about.
0: Well, I I would say having gone to a few poly conventions, um, except for the one we had in Atlanta, which was specifically uh, a a convention of people of color and minorities – um, most of these conventions we go to are, are predominantly white.
2: white. Oh, okay. I see. I see what you mean. I, I thought you meant like like literature or, or, or information. I see what you mean. Like the like the visible community. Correct. Which, that's and that's interesting because I, I would say that that's probably um, only like half accurate. The pri- privilege allows white people to engage in things like polyamory with fewer judgments. Um, so you know, uh, lucky for you, if you if you have white privilege, then you get fewer people um, judging you. But for um, so I think there's some fear for any type of minority group that they're already uh, being oppressed or or persecuted. And if they add another thing onto it, like being poly or or kink, then publicly, Mm -hmm. then that'll be all the more um, problems that they'll have to deal with. So I get that. I mean, I, I could get why um, my, a minority may be more hesitant to go to a convention or to publicly publicly identify as poly or kink, um, but I think in actual practice, it's not as um, not as one-sided as that. You know, I think it's I think it's not repre- not really representative of what the actual poly community looks like at all.
0: I agree, and it's but I, but I, again, probably yeah. based on area, like you said, different locations. Um, just even yeah, that's in,
2: true too. I mean, if, if you're if you're in in Montana, then yeah, of course, your convention is um, going to be you know all look the same, but it's also probably going to be boring because you're in Montana.
0: Yeah, all five of you um, in Montana with
1: your guns.
0: <laughs> with your guns. <laughs> we are not anti-gun. It's just that I have I mean, a friend who moved out to Montana, and as he said, look at this picture. And I look, and he goes, and there's my neighbor. And I'm, like, looking with a magnifying glass. He goes, oh, yeah, he's six miles away.
2: <laughs> well, that's you said, so that's because you you uh, you have you already have the scope on the gun, so that's the only way you can see your neighbor. You're not going to go inside and get another pair of binoculars when you have a perfectly good scope.
0: Not to say anything wrong with Montana. It's beautiful. <laughs> no, it was just an example
2: the example (laughs) off the cup. either of the dakotas would apply equally (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no it's you know in all seriousness i you know i I, people avoid stigma so if you're already in a persecuted group it's it's understandable that you wouldn't want to subject yourself to further persecution so as poly becomes more mainstream i think we're going to see a more um publicly diverse poly community um I, I don't think it's poly is like a white thing um poly in the news might be and poly in in public might be but um that's you know that's just a a public front and it's for right for right or wrong it's what you kind of would expect
0: um, well, hopefully know, any, that any i'm sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead I say, hopefully, um, we're going to see this change over time because poly is obviously becoming oh, yeah. more acceptable.
2: Oh yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I, I as things move into the mainstream, uh, you you'll see a lot less uh, or a lot more diversity and and, and a lot less uh, stigma and, and you know weirdness about this kind of thing. I I, I definitely see that we're moving into a direction, which is great considering the, the foundations of America We're we're ten generally very religiously conservative people uh, that Americans are moving towards a much more sex-positive outlook on life.
1: So this was great. Thanks for coming on the show. As always, a great conversation. We have a blast there. My pleasure. And how could everyone find you there?
2: You can uh, find me on my website, Us like United States. You can email me David at HoffmanLawFirm.us. You can find me on Facebook. I have a public Facebook profile, David Hoffman. I'm also on Facebook with my law firm, Hoffman Law Firm PA. And uh, feel free to call, email me. I'm always happy to answer questions. I offer free consultations. My office is in downtown Tampa. Thanks.
0: Cool.
1: Thank you, everyone. Oh, and I will be giving a presentation this year at Florida
2: Power Exchange called. BDSM and the law—you must obey.
0: Ooh, I like that one.
1: Coming from you is going to be interesting—the dynamics because you're half Hispanic and always with the chancleta here with me.
2: (laughs) I I have, yeah, that's why I'm on the phone because if I was in the studio, I have to expect—I've had—I would half expect the chancleta come flying across the room as soon as I said something wrong.
0: You know, I had to get explained what exactly that meant. <laughs> and my mind of course goes back to there's an Eddie Murphy skit. I think it was Eddie Murphy Raw, we're talking back in the eighties, where he's talking about his mother whipping off the shoe and it's like a boomerang that comes around flies around the room, smacks him in the head and somehow comes back into her hand. The met this magical <laughs> shoe.
2: Yeah, it's 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 not Hispanic exclusive, the hitting people with throwing shoes at your at your children. Um but but the the chancleta, the 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 Hispanics flip flop my my grandmother didn't use the chancleta. she did throw shoes she had those slip on espadrilles. and she, man she could get some velocity on that Pit, pinpoint I mean she was the Mike the, the the Tom Brady of throwing shoes at people wow
1: that's what happens when you grow up in the Hispanic household
2: <laughs> yeah I mean she could throw a shoe and it would hurt when it hit you. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, I'll I'll be sure to come by cuz I want to hear this um what, what what was the BDSM title of your uh presentation?
2: You must obey BDSM in the law.
1: Yep, and that's going to be at Florida Power Exchange and we'll be there in August. I can I'm pulling up the dates right now cuz uh, uh August 24th to the 27th in Tampa, Florida. Tickets are still available. I know they're closing up too soon. Because uh, they do like to keep it small and intimate so everyone could have a chance to talk and learn. So, and we'll be there too. So,
0: hopefully, broadcasting. I live. really look forward to seeing you both.
1: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Take care, David. Talk to you soon. You too.
2: Have a great night.
1: Good night. Bye. Find us on our webpage, livingasexpositivelife.com on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on The Venus Sex Positive Life, where you follow all our stories and adventures. You can find me on all social media as Miss Angelique Luna.
0: And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter as John C. Luna. Please reach out and let us know how we're doing.
1: Please like, share all our contents, leave your opinions, comments, complaints. We accept it all. But we also like to thank our sponsor, The Woodshed. You can find them on their webpage, thewitchshedorlando.com, and they're also on FetLife and Facebook, where you could see a lot of their events and promotions going on. Thank
0: so thank you very much for uh, joining mm-hmm. tonight.
1: <laughs> thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.